Blog Talk Radio. Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On all things franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, this is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today on All Things Franchising. I'm really excited. We're going to have a great show today. Thanks so much for spending some time with me. I always like to acknowledge that because even though we're maybe sitting home watching Netflix, I appreciate the fact that you put Netflix down and you're listening to me a bit. Or maybe you didn't put Netflix down. You got me running in the background. Whatever the reason you're listening, I'm glad you're here. One of the things that I like to do as a franchise broker is to just educate people on the fact that franchises are not all burgers and fries. Who would have thunk it, right? There are so many industries that are using franchising as a distribution model. So it's a great way to get a product or a service out in, into the community where everybody needs it. And it is, um, it's a very easy way also for individuals that may have gotten downsized during this pandemic. Just to let you know, if you're listening to the recording, this is June 16th, uh, 2020. I don't know if we're in the middle of the pandemic, we're coming out of it. I just know it's still affecting our lives right now. So there may be some, someone listening and they really just don't want to go back to the grind of working for someone else. And if you're shaking your head yes, then you definitely have dialed into the right show here. So today we're going to be talking about the pet grooming industry. So if you have a pet, if you know someone that has a pet, this is going to be a really good show for you. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, 103,996 businesses are operating as dog groomers in the U.S. With the average growth, this is crazy, with the average growth rate of almost 10% per year. So what that tells me is that there's a huge demand for that. So just because there are that many companies out there, there are that many businesses that are saying that they're pet groomers, um, it, that isn't as impressive to me as the fact that it's still growing on average about 10, 10% per year because the, that means the demand continues. So on today's show, we have Eileen Proctor, and she has She's been in um, the leadership role of the pet industry for almost 20 years now. And today she's vice president of a, a franchise development for the groundbreaking pet service brand of Scent Hound. Scent Hounds is a unique wellness-focused membership model. Service provides dogs, uh, dog owners 
fast and easy and affordable ways to keep their pets clean and healthy. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? Eileen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Linda. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. And as I said early on, Eileen, this is such a fast-growing and steady industry out there. Tell me a little bit about how you got into that pet industry and what drew you to scent hounds. Wow. Well, that kind of uh, getting into the pet industry, I've always loved animals. Okay. Even growing up, I wanted to figure out something I could do to be working with animals. Um, at the time, and I don't want to date myself, but if I was a dog, I'd be over 420 years old. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, everybody. Okay. I'm not a young pup. So back when I was younger, you had really uh, two choices. You could be a uh, veterinarian which I was not really a science-oriented or student-oriented person, or you could kind of be a dog groomer, and those were really the only options you had. Well, I didn't mm-hmm. wind up doing either of them. I looked into both of them, but I didn't wind up doing either. I went into the corporate life. But as I got older, the pet industry started growing, maturing, adding more and more options for getting involved. And this is everything from retail to services to creating products, you know, you name it. So the world was opening up for people such as myself. But it wasn't until I was in my mid-40s, okay, and I'm not going to tell you what year that was, but it was 20-some-odd years ago, as you mentioned before so nicely. Thanks, Linda. Um, <laughs> that, that I had heard about this thing called doggy daycare that was mm-hmm. coming about in some of the major metros like uh, San Francisco, uh, Boston, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the larger cities. And at the time, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. And we were the sixth largest city in the United States, and nobody heard of doggy daycare. And just so for the people that are listening in, that is where dogs get to go to, like, quote, school and play with their friends, usually in a cage-free environment. And uh, it's the job of the doggy daycare to keep them safe and happy and, and all that and send them home happy and tired, right, for their parents. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't anything like that in Phoenix, And I knew being an entrepreneurial person and and being somebody who was looking for something uh, to, again, just get out of corporate and do something that allowed me to, you know, feed my, my, um, my passion for dogs, I knew there was no second opportunity to be first. So I pioneered the dog daycare industry in Phoenix, Arizona. It was back in the year 2000 because I don't want people being distracted by doing the math. Okay, so it was in the year 2000. And I started this company called It's a Rough Life. R-U-F-F, and mm-hmm. uh, it was an instant hit. Um, I grew it to multiple locations, uh, really served thousands upon thousands of dogs and their parents in the community, and um, ultimately wound up selling it so that I could go on to other areas of the pet industry, which included being a consultant, a media personality, a consultant to, um, to businesses, and nonprofits, helping them do fundraising. So anything I could do, you know, to keep my hands in, in the pet industry. And mm-hmm. uh, what attracted me to Sentown particularly was along about maybe 10 years ago, my career shifted to the franchise industry through a number of different circumstances. I kind of strayed, pun intended, from the pet industry for a while and started really cutting my teeth in the franchise industry. And I loved it. Linda, you know this. Franchising is a fantastic 
opportunity for individuals who don't want to come up with the next great idea, who can follow systems and processes and, and accept um, coaching to grab onto a great brand that they have passion for that shows them that will give them personal and professional rewards and to be able to have their own business. And I love franchising. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I was not working in the pet industry with franchising until last year. And timing is everything. I met with the founder and CEO of uh, Centound. He was looking for somebody to lead franchise development as Centown grew across the country. He liked my uh, pedigree, again, pun intended, Mm -hmm. that I worked in the pet industry and the franchise industry. It was very serendipitous, and I'm so proud that I joined this revolutionary company that is really changing the lives of of people that own pets and people that want to have their own businesses. That was long, but I hope that it gave you a complete answer. No, it's great to get that snapshot, Eileen, because it gives people an idea of – some of the leaders that are in franchising and your particular um, company sent it's what they call emerging brands. And we'll come back Mm -hmm. to that in just a minute to better explain that to everybody. Tell me a little bit about the services that sent offers. Yep. Sent is very, very unique in the pet services area. And even in the grooming area, you gave me some statistics that I wrote down. I'm going to steal those statistics. (laughs) The pet industry in and of itself in the U.S. is over $90 billion, $90 billion. People do for their pets what they won't do for themselves. And one of those mm-hmm. is to keep their pets healthy and looking good, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas we may not go to the doctor or we may not go and get our hair cut um, at certain times, people are pampering their pooches just, just in ways that you can't even imagine. Now, Scenthound is in the grooming business, but we're very different than everybody else out there. We're very, um, the, the word disruptive is, is mm-hmm. there, revolutionary is there. Whereas most groomers are mom and pop individually owned um, companies that have maybe one to three employees. Scenthound is um, a national franchise. And what we do is instead of providing haircuts, making dogs just look pretty, we focus on their wellness. We make sure that the core areas that every dog needs to stay happy and healthy, to look good, feel good, smell good, and stay out of the vet, that's what we focus on. So our service is providing a bath, cleaning the ears, clipping the nails, and brushing the teeth of every Mm. dog that comes in, and that's the base service. That is what the, the um, base membership model is all about, keeping dogs happy and healthy. We don't do designer breed-specific haircuts, so we don't give poodle cuts. Mm-hmm. We don't give cocker spaniel cuts, schnauzer cuts. We specialize in the underserved market of dogs that don't need breed-specific haircuts, And there's over 90 million dogs in the U.S., and 80% of the most popular breeds don't need haircuts. Mm -hmm. But 100% need that regular maintenance, and that's what Centown provides. 
I I love the concept, Eileen, because um, many times people think uh, to to take their dog to the vet to have a groomer uh, groom them that it's it's going to be very expensive and oh did we do it last month I don't know whether we did it last month I love the membership model of this and uh, it, it has got to work really well tell me about a little bit about that. Yeah, the the cool thing about the membership, my founder and CEO, his name is Tim Vogel, and Tim has been in the grooming industry for over 15 years. He's an amazing man. He's got he's got corporate training. He's got entrepreneurial success. He's a visionary, and he solves problems. I like to say before people even know that they have them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as somebody who had a grooming business, a traditional grooming business, he found that there were some flaws in the model. One, not scalable at all for the business owner because right. it takes too long to give those designer haircuts. Two, it was leaving so many dogs and their parents without the ability to be able to get an appointment just mm-hmm. to get a bath or clip nails, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he decided to go after uh, what would be known as, and, and I don't know um, I don't know if everybody out here knows what this is, but a blue ocean strategy, which mm-hmm. means instead of going after the same exact customers as everybody else that is in the grooming industry, he went after the large underserved market. So he's mm-hmm. fishing in the ocean, okay, and he doesn't have any direct competition. So that's the first thing I want to mention. Mm-hmm. The concept of the membership model is important in two distinct ways, Linda. The first, as a business owner, it gives you recurring revenue. So you're mm-hmm. getting money coming in before you even unlock your doors in the morning. It's auto-debited from a checking account or a, um, or a credit card, just like any other membership. You mentioned Netflix at the top of the hour, right? So, mm-hmm. so you're getting that money anyway. So from a, um, from a recurring revenue and an income perspective, it's great for the franchise owner. But equally important is the benefit to the dog and the dog owner. Because when people sign up for memberships of any type, they really do have the intention that they want to take advantage of the products or services associated with that membership, correct? Like if you were right. doing massage, right? Or, or even if you're doing Netflix, okay, that you're going to watch mm-hmm. a certain amount of TV, right? And mm-hmm. in the case of Sentown, it is important that these dogs get regular maintenance to their skin, coat, ears, nails and teeth and i'm saying that slowly because everybody is going what what is what is that and i'm like well if you take the first letter of skin coat ears nails and teeth it spells scent and that's the mm-hmm. scent in scent hound how about that mm-hmm. right pretty clever i love it i love it so by when a parent signs up for a membership with scent hound they you know they are actually fulfilling their desire to be the best dog parent they can be and to keep their dog happy, healthy, looking good, feeling good, smelling good, and out of the vet's office. So the membership model serves both the consumer and the business owner. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. And and you're right. I, I don't know of another um, franchise out there or even just a mom and pop place. I don't, I don't know of another dog grooming company that's doing that membership. And membership is becoming really popular these days. 
So as I mentioned also, we are in this pandemic. I don't know whether Mm -hmm. we're in, we're out, we're in the middle of it, (laughs) but we're here and it's affecting our lives. Tell me, how has it impacted um, Scent Hounds and your franchise owners and your customers? What's happened there? That's, That's a really great question. So one of the things that a lot of people out there um, might recognize is that during this pandemic, closed restaurants, haircutting places for humans, et cetera. But the pet industry, not in every state, but in most states, were classified as essential services. Wow. And because we were not providing service to humans, but rather to dogs, we were able to continue to operate. And so we had absolutely no days where we were not able to continue to provide service to our customers. And that was a great thing. It was great because as people were locked up in the house with their dogs, it's amazing how you can smell things that you normally wouldn't (laughs) when you're getting out with them or you're getting away from them when you go to work, right? So what we actually found was that our customers, our members, were coming in more often. They were calling for more appointments. So instead of coming once a month, they won't come every two weeks, right? Mm. And Mm -hmm. so we found that, you know, if you take a look at the time frame from, let's just call it beginning of February, mid-February, which is when things started getting a little bit hinky, Mm -hmm. up until the end of May, we actually are ahead of last year's revenue. We actually wow. have increased because people, one, at times of sorrow, they look to ways of being happy, and being with your de- your dog is one of those yeah. ways, right? Every dog yeah. has become a therapy dog, right? So we're right. hugging and kissing on them and, and doing everything, and we're, and we're spoiling them with more treats and more activity because that's what we can do. So we stay sane and, 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 and happy, right? So right. we found that we're able to open. We did need to modify our pickup and drop-off procedures, um, even heighten our already great um, um, sanitizing and, and, and uh, safety processes that we have. But in doing so, we were creating the belief, the confidence from our customers that it was safe to come out get our dog taken care of because the scent hound concept is a dog is in and out in like 30 minutes. Okay. They were able to go home and come back or they were able to just hang around with any other stores that might've been open and be able to get their dog serviced. So from a consumer perspective, we not only did not see a downturn, but we saw an upturn. Mm. And then Mm just to go a little bit separately from a franchise perspective, because our business has been, um, I don't want to say proven, but been, been um, targeted by many as a pandemic resistant concept, we have had more and more people interested in the model seeking us out either directly through our website or through the broker networks that are out there, people such as yourself, Linda, Mm -hmm. and more and more people who are looking to control things in their lives, their jobs, their careers, their income, having an alternative to investing in the stock market. We have actually had a, a larger 
number of candidates and awarded more units than we were even expecting to without COVID. So it's wow. all, everything looks very rosy. I mean, I, you know, I can punnily say we're wagging our tail because yeah. we are actually thriving at times when unfortunately others aren't. And so, you know, we're actually, uh, we're, we're doing very well and we're very excited about what this means for our company. Absolutely. So now that we've shifted a little bit to talking about the franchise piece of that, um, mm-hmm. are you looking for franchise owners that have experience with animals? Um, who are you looking for that would be a really good candidate for franchisee? Yeah, you know, thank you for asking that because it's important that um, that I make a distinction here. It's very important that individuals that are going to be involved with Sendhound as owners like dogs and appreciate the really unique role that dogs play in our society, right? But we thought when we first started franchising as an expansion model that the typical franchisee would be somebody who loves doggies, right, who oohs and ahs over them and kisses them on the face and just can't walk by one without without stopping to ask its name and, and, you know, and who its parents are and when its birthday is, you know, the typical doggy lovers out there. I do fall into that camp, by the way. But what we have found is that the, the candidates that are rising to the top and the people that we are awarding franchises to are business-minded individuals, people who have worked with in corporate They've been leaders in their companies, team builders, team motivators. These are early adopters who get that this is what we call an emerging brand, and I know that we're going to get to the definition of that in just a moment. But they are looking at the industry, the recession-proof pet industry. They're seeing the model is 15 years in the making and all the systems and processes are there. And they want to do um, more than one unit. They want to own their areas. And Mm -hmm. so we're finding corporate executives retired or displaced or furloughed. Those are the individuals, young people who don't want to go into corporate in the first place, but they're looking for a different career path and start out as entrepreneurs with a proven system. So Mm -hmm. we're actually looking for individuals who are these early adopters who understand that the model the industry, the future is all about the pet industry, and they want to join us to help fortify that across the country. Right. So let's talk a little bit about what did they get when they are actually they've decided to purchase a scent hound franchise? What does the training look like? What is the what are the um, brick and mortar requirements? What are some of those investments yeah. that they will need to make yeah. early on? Great question, and I recognize that I did not actually answer totally whether or not people need to have experience in the pet industry. The answer mm-hmm. is no. We provide all the training that you will need in order to be a great business owner, whether or not you choose to be a hands-on business owner or a semi-absentee or an absentee owner, the model can be adjusted for anybody's desires. So anybody listening who's still in corporate who loves their job or doesn't want to leave their job or can't, this model could work for you as well because we will show you every aspect of how to 
operate your scent hound. Everything from, of course, the technology, which is a, a top-notch point of sale system and a CRM, okay, um, social media and marketing. Uh, we put together all of that for you and help you um, be able to uh, continue it, to be able to make it current and, and keep it interesting. We will teach you all about the grooming industry, what goes into a good bath, ear cleaning, nail trimming, teeth brushing. We'll help you understand how you describe the membership model so that people find it completely irresistible. They test it and they want to continue to bring their dog for it. How to hire the, the staff, or as we call it, the pack that's going to be providing the services. Every aspect of the business whether you've had a small business of your own or not in the past, we will help you. And then real estate is a very interesting part of this. This is a very small brick-and-mortar business, 1,000 to 1,200 square feet, very small, and it's located in errand-intensive strip centers. So, Linda, you, you have these. What part of the country are you in? I'm sorry, we're doing this remotely, so okay. I don't know, but where are you? I'm in Houston, Texas. Houston, great. So you know what I'm talking about. Usually supermarket, um, you know, um, type of strip centers, and they've got a haircutting place for humans, a nail salon, a massage place, a couple of restaurants, a bank, places where people are going to go to do errands anyway that's pretty near their house. The dog now becomes one of the errands. No longer is it an inconvenience who have to bring the dog to the groomer and leave it there for hours. So with our model, you're going to have 1,000 to 1,200 square feet in this errand-intensive shopping center. You would drop your dog off. Let's say your appointment is Wednesday at 11 o'clock and go food shopping or go get your massage or go get your nails done, get your own haircut, whatever it is. If somebody's coming in for their basic service, which we call the essentials, and that's part of our branding, everything is sent in it, your dog will be ready in about 20 minutes to a half hour. So you can go do your other errands and then just go pick up your dog and your dog will look good, feel good, smell good, and you will just be able to bring it home and just do all that cuddling and snuggling that I was talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Um now, we did have mentioned the emerging brand uh, a couple mm-hmm. of times. Do you want to talk a little bit about why someone might look at a, uh, an emerging brand over one that, that may have been out there for 20 or 30 years? What are the advantages? Yeah, yeah. so uh, let me first define what an emerging brand is because I think that some people might not know what that is. An emerging brand is usually a franchise brand that's got 100 or less units awarded. Is that is that the definition that you usually yes, go ma'am. with, Linda? Yes, ma'am. Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't yes. it doesn't necessarily mean 100 open. It means awarded. And by the way, this this awarding is a mutual vetting process. Um, especially in our case, we're not just looking for people with a pulse and a checkbook. Carefully vetting the individuals to make sure that they have the best chance of success. So we have 15 years of experience in grooming. And we, uh, as, as uh, Tim Vogel says, we've made every mistake you could possibly make. So we mm-hmm. fix them so that franchise owners 
won't make those mistakes. We've got the systems and the processes put together, the branding, the support system, et cetera. But we are an emerging brand. We only started expanding through a franchising model back in April of 2019. That's when we first started franchising. And I'm very proud to say, by the way, that we have awarded 21 units so far on wow. track to probably 50 or more this year. So that we're an emerging brand, but there are advantages to that. The first is that there's territory available in most areas of the United States. When you're with a uh, mature brand, and a lot of you know a mature brand out there, you know, it's on every corner, um, you know, like you can't, you can't, you know, turn down a block without seeing another one of them. They've been around a long time. So an emerging brand gives you the advantage of probably having available locations in your geographic area. They're not sold out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. secondarily to that, when you are working with a younger brand, and I want to clarify that, a younger brand that has experience in what they do, probably has corporate stores where they're actually doing it alongside you to make sure that what they're preaching, they're also practicing, and that market conditions are something that they're dealing with as well. And in the case of Centound, we've got four corporate locations that we do that with. But the younger brands are more nimble. They can respond to change more quickly. And COVID is a case in point, right? right? We were right. able to, to assess the situation and make changes for all of our locations quickly and easily. We also don't say it's our way or the highway. We're looking for the input of our founding franchise people to be able to help us evolve the company to be the best that it can be. Mature brands often just say, this is the way it is, too bad, so sad. But that's not mm -hmm. the case with an emerging brand. Emerging brands are also usually more modern and exciting, right? They are, they are, they are new concepts in a lot of cases. They've built the better mousetrap. That's definitely the case with Sendhound. So not all mature brands are alike and not all emerging brands are alike. Right, But if you've got the right emerging brand, if you've got a very dynamic CEO who's been involved with the industry and the business, who is looking for the right people, actually ramp up a lot more quickly and have a lot more personal and professional satisfaction by going with the right emerging brand. Yeah, totally makes sense there, Eileen. Um, you know, just just listening to you speak, it's very exciting. And I think some of the excitement is because clearly y'all are are trying to stay relevant. And that is what what one of the advantages, uh, as you mentioned, with an emerging brand is because it does have a different approach. Uh, a brand that may have been around, like I said, for many decades, they have a way of doing it. And sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not wise to look at those. I'm just saying it, they're, again, like you said, they're not all the same. But um, sometimes they get into a system or a, a way of doing it, and they get caught off guard 
with something Mm -hmm. like this pandemic because you guys, as you described yourself as nimble and, and staying relevant. uh, I've, I have interviewed other franchises that, that were relatively uh, an emerging brand and because they could move quickly, they were able to, really adjust the way they delivered their products. So folks, if you're listening, just know that when you're interviewing a franchise, keep these things in mind. Most of us, we never thought something like a pandemic would shut down the world. But yeah, it's we, yeah we never even thought there'd be a pandemic. I mean, Isn't who could have the truth? You know, I mean, we look back now and there were a lot of people saying that a pandemic was in the offing. Right. But Mm -hmm. but we didn't we didn't take it seriously enough. But who would have thought with all of the technology and all of the 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 societal um, aspects that we've put together in the world that we could be so affected. So a lot of people right now are looking for those new and different. and, And here are three things that people are looking for. Okay, every every day of the week, recession proof. Yeah. Pet industry has been deemed recession proof by the pundits. Mm-hmm. Pandemic resistant. Nobody's going to say proof on that because we don't even know the the total depths of it. Okay, but right. pandemic resistant. So a lot of models out there now that were fantastic a year ago or six months ago. I don't want to name exactly what they are, okay, Mm -hmm. and I'm not bashing in industries. I feel bad Mm -hmm. for so many of these industries because they couldn't have known, right? Mm -hmm. So so pandemic-resistant and Amazon-resistant. A lot of Mm -hmm. people are looking for a business that is not product-dependent because Mm -hmm. Amazon has come along and, and done a number on a lot of industries and, um, you know, even within the pet industry, most people can walk into any retail store, whether it's a franchise or, or you know, a, um, a mom and pop, okay, or a privately held boutique store. And whatever product they see there, they're immediately on their cell phones. Absolutely. Checking Amazon. How much is it and when can I get it? Mm-hmm. And yep. making an assessment, do I plunk down my buying dollars now or do I wait for Amazon our business is service-oriented. And again, we, we obviously are serving parents because they pay the membership fee, but we're serving a non-human actual end user, the dogs. And so since dogs have been deemed that they do not carry the, the COVID virus mm-hmm. and because we are not providing services to dogs and we're not dependent on products were mostly service oriented we hit all three of those really really intriguing and desirable aspects of business recession proof mm-hmm. and and pandemic resistant amazon resistant so um, right. yeah. when you're when yeah when you're looking anybody whether it's Sentown or anyone else keep some of these things in mind mm-hmm. because it's going to help you go in a direction that makes a lot of sense for Absolutely. you. And it's different Absolutely. strokes for different folks. Certainly. Eileen, we need to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, do you happen to have some stories that you could share with our listeners? Oh, I'd love to share some stories. <laughs> Very good. Well, folks, hang on. We'll be right back with more from Eileen Proctor from Scent Hound. House Talk Radio. 
Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. All Things Franchising is the radio show that you've been waiting for. Whether you're looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle by growing your business, allowing you to experience some of the fun things in life, or if you are looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come, Linda Biestetos is your host on All Things Franchising where she interviews franchise experts from around the world. We feature top franchisers, franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, as well as others who support this fast-growing business model. Go to our Facebook and Twitter pages to listen to past shows and join the conversations on all things franchising. Do you know a family fighting cancer? The Jest Foundation nonprofit was founded right here in Katy, Texas, by cancer survivor Michelle Perzan, whose vision is to assist those currently fighting by providing grants to help support family needs, whether spiritually, emotionally, or financially. Michelle and her family know all too well that there comes a time when the day-to-day needs we take for granted become impossible. Jest Foundation has been able to bless 100% of the applications submitted, and now they need your help. Find out more by going to JustFoundation.org. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Bayustedos, and my guest today is Eileen Proctor with ScentHound. And when we broke for commercial break, Eileen, I asked if you had any, com- any stories you could share with us. Well, I would love to share stories because I think that I could tell everything that you want to ask from a factual perspective, but stories really help to make it real. So I'm going to ask you, would you like a story about a customer experience, a franchisee's path to becoming a business owner, um, how they're moving through their their, um, development stage to open their stores? Tell me what you think your listeners would like to, uh, to know more about. You know, Eileen, I'd love to hear both of those because I'd love to hear what it looks like to be a customer, but I'd also mm-hmm. like to hear uh, from a franchisee's perspective of what that would look like for them as well. Cool. Excellent. Well, so I'll give you some, uh, some customer stories first, and there's so many of them. It's very rewarding what we do. We really make a difference in the lives of people and their dogs. But, for example, I'll, I'll give you one example of a dog named Petunia, okay? I honestly don't know the parent's name because for us, you know, one of our core values is dog first. And so I always remember dog names before I remember uh-huh. people's names. But Petunia was a dog that was actually rescued as part of a hoarding situation by a local humane society in Palm Beach County called Peggy Adams. Hundreds of dogs were actually rescued and that these dogs were in horrible, horrible condition. They were dirty. They were malnourished. I mean, they, they just they didn't look good. They didn't smell good. And the chances of them getting adopted 
were pretty slim, all right? So Peggy Adams Foundation uh, reached out to us and asked us, asked us, Centound, if we could help. And what we did was we actually asked our PAC, our scent techs and groomers, if they would please groom dozens upon dozens of these dogs that needed help. And they, mm-hmm. our, our team is fantastic. Um, it's, it's a great work ethic. It's a very team-oriented uh, environment. And they all jumped at the chance to make a difference. And Petunia was one of these dogs. She was like, kind of like a little Shih Tzu mix, so shaggy dog, a shagamuffin, as I like to call them, right? Mm-hmm. And she, real, uh, she had crusty eyes, and her coat was dirty, and it was all matted. It was terrible. Well, one of our, um, one of our groomers just took Petunia under her wing and made her the best version of herself. She gave her a bath and cleaned her ears and brushed her teeth and clipped her nails and gave her a cute little haircut, right? One length all over, so she looked like a puppy. Even stuck a couple of ribbons in her hair. And the dog went back to the shelter to try to find its new forever home. Well, an elderly couple found Petunia, fell in love right away, thought she was the most adorable thing they'd ever seen. Luckily, they hadn't seen her like before (laughs) uh, picture, only her after version. And they adopted her. Mm -hmm. And um, I should tell you that one of the things that Centown does is we've got a program that's called Clean Start, where we work with the rescue organizations around our um, locations that we call centers, by the way, Mm S-C-E-N-T-E-R-S. And so we actually say thank you to people who adopt by giving them a certificate for a free grooming, so a bath, ear cleaning, nail trimming, teeth brushing. So Petunia's parents had already gotten the advantage of her, of her makeover, but they came in to have her get her, her free treatment to, because we were saying thank you for adopting. And so she had a second experience there. And they love what they got. They love how the dog felt. They had a spring in its step when it left. It wasn't fearful. It was, it was just a happy, beautiful dog. And they have become loyal customers ever since month after month after month petunia comes in everybody fights over who gets to take care of her um, but she walks out looking like the very first day that that we groomed her for the first time and so this is this is not an isolated story the story of people bringing in dogs that they weren't hugging and weren't kissing they love their dog please don't get me wrong but or the oil and oiliness of their coat, once they've come in once, maybe twice, and they see the difference, it helps them to bond with their dogs better. It helps mm-hmm. them to be able, as we say, to remove the barriers so that people can love and connect with their dogs every day. And, you know, again, I, I think I mentioned this before the break, it's more important than ever before that we find happiness and love in every opportunity, especially with what's going on in the world now. And making it so that people want to and can hug, kiss, love on their dogs on a, you know every minute of the day, it's something that Sentown actually does help to further. So, um, I love story. that story. Ho- ho- hopefully, yeah. yeah, hopefully it resonated for people out there. Um, yeah. I'll tell you from my perspective. I just adopted. I am not just an employee, but I am also a customer. I'm a member at a local Sentown, and a month ago. 
I adopted a three-year-old golden retriever. Her name is Ruby, and she's beautiful. Her parents just couldn't take care of her anymore, so I adopted her. But when I picked her up, I could, I mean, as much as I fell in love with her from the second I saw her, I really didn't want to get too close to her because Mm -hmm. I could tell that that poor dog had a dirty, dirty skin. She was scratching and biting at herself. Her ears smelled really rank. She had, she had, you know, mats in her coat, you know, like by her haunches and behind her ears. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just was like, oh gosh, I have two other dogs at home. What do I do? So I called Sentound. All services are by appointment. And I begged them to please let me bring her in because I needed to start loving on her and showing her she had found her new forever home, um, you know, as soon as possible so she could feel better about being displaced from the family that she knew. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? And mm-hmm. they did. They brought her in and they said, Eileen, she's got so many boo-boos on her skin. Okay, we, she really should have a medicated bath and she's got obvious allergies and They're actually, they have become in just a few weeks like consultants to how is the best way to take care of Ruby, her particular needs versus my other dog's needs. So they gave her this wonderful medicated bath and they, they combed her out and brushed her out and blow dried her and she came out and you could tell she felt so much better about life. She still was separated from her other family, but she walked out of there with just a stronger sense of confidence and I immediately hugged her and she gave me a big old wet kiss on the face. Sorry if I just upset anybody with that, but, <laughs> and, and it was the beginning of our bonding. And mm-hmm. so I could tell you hundreds and hundreds of stories like this, right. but when right. I experienced it, I could tell that we've, we're really onto something here. We make a difference. Well, and it has to be very fulfilling when we talk about from a franchise, franchisee's perspective. It has to be very fulfilling at the end of the day that to know that you've made a difference. You've made a difference in mm-hmm. what that pet's life looks like. You made a difference in what that, uh, the as you call it, their parents, um, the, how they enjoy them. So tell me a, a story maybe about a franchisee that, that um, people can can might be able to relate, relate to. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I want to I want to give you a few examples because again, I mentioned to you who the prime person is that we're looking for, you know, to be an owner of Suntown locations. But um, a number of our most recent owners are actually, um, I guess, I'd call them refugees from the corporate world. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, one example: there's a gentleman that's down in South Miami, Florida. He actually was a financial executive, um, VP level, and possibly higher. I don't know all of his background, but he worked for a um, international Fortune 100 corporation. You would know the name if I if I told it to you, okay? But it isn't Coca-Cola. That's all I want to say to you. If you guys want to try to figure that out, all right? And he had four children and a beautiful wife, and he was tired of traveling and traveling and traveling. He was tired of being away from them and not sharing moments with them. And so he started looking at franchises in order to be able to create the, the income that he needed and the, and the um, quality of life, the, you know, the home, work, life balance. And he loved animals. He, has a, um, an, he had at the time an eight-month-old golden retriever, um, and he was in love with this dog, and, and he wanted to spend more time with his dog. So he started researching many different brands within the pet industry. 
but a lot of them require 24-7 being involved or hands-on involvement or huge um, uh, brick and mortar, you know, like thousands of square mm-hmm. feet. None of that was something that was really, really of interest to him. And then he found Scenthound, and he immediately fell in love with the concept of our key hours are Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And mm. then you close the location and go home, and you're with your family. It was something he hadn't had for decades. And so he looked into this, and he ultimately wound up recognizing the systems, the processes, the, the combination of the, 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 the lifestyle that he could live in all manners, ways, shapes, and forms really resonated for him. So he actually left his corporate role, and he is now going to be developing five units in South Miami, Florida. Wow. So he's just found a different way to live his life. He just decided, and I think we're all doing this, Linda. Mm-hmm. We're all looking mm-hmm. at this point in our lives, what have we tolerated? What have mm-hmm. we done because we thought we had to do it? And I think that sometimes when things like this happen, like the pandemic or the stock market crash or whatever is going on in our world, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up mm-hmm. call for our country, but it's also a wake-up call for us. What's truly mm-hmm. important? And when we won't make our own decisions, <laughs> you know, sometimes decisions are, are made for us and we have to find alternatives, and that's when we can live the life that we truly want. So this gentleman down in South Miami is one example of a corporate, a corporate um, individual who said, I don't, I, don't want to, um, I don't want to be limiting my life. I want to get involved in a different type of business, meaning a franchise that allows me to be able to be all I can be as a, as a business owner, as a husband, as a father, as a dog owner, and a member of my community. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a, a real uh, telling story about him. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, about that? I think that, no, I think the pandemic has um, given us a forced pause. And in that pause, mm-hmm. many have chosen to, you know, whether they've decided to just watch everything Netflix has to offer or whether they have <laughs> decided to do some reflecting. And sometimes yep. that reflecting is reevaluating uh, not only where you are, but the direction that you're going. So I totally right. appreciate that, you know, and um, yeah. and I think a lot of us have had that opportunity that we would not have taken if it had been our choice. And, that, you know, that's brilliant what you just said. And it makes me think of another story in a totally different direction. So one of our other franchisees that we recently um, awarded locations to is a father and son um, team. And the father is a very high-level CEO, financial wizard, um, and he happens to be um, in New Jersey. And his son is in Las Vegas. So they're, they're very separated. They love each other. They're close as close can be, but geographically, they are not they are not near each the son went to college and got a marketing degree and then he said i don't really know about that and then he went and got a law degree mm. and he graduated with his law degree and now this is a highly educated super intelligent and ultra nice guy by the way young in his in his uh, early 20s i would say and he decided to make his decision early on just because his education was in marketing and then 
legal. He said, that's not the life that I've decided I want. I learned how to learn. I have an education. I'll always use it. But I want to do what my dad always said he wanted to do, which is own my own business. I want to utilize my talents and my passions, and I want to be first in my community and with, with a business. And I want to build it, and I want to create my own financial stability and really enjoy my life, not just fall into what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. And so he and his father, in order to stay close, in order to have reasons to be involved with each other, formed a team and decided to look into a lot of different franchise options, not just the pet industry, some B2B, business to business, some business to consumer, some home-based, those are options, some, you know, some um, owner-operated investment models. I mean, they really went to really, really uh, intense lengths with their due diligence to find just the right opportunity. And for many, many reasons, one of them is the, is the recession-proof nature of our business. One of them is that um, the son really loved animals. And one of them is that we didn't have any locations in his area, and he knew there was no second opportunity to be first. They mm-hmm. decided on Scenthound. And so, again, whether it was us or not us, there are people, young people, are making decisions at an earlier age to not follow what their parents did and get stuck into careers that they're not finding fulfilling and hearing the, gee, I wish I would is. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times, Linda, have you heard people say, I wish I would have invested in McDonald's back in the 60s, mm-hmm. right? Sure, sure, absolutely. So people don't want to, right? They don't want to live a life of regret. And what I'm finding is the younger generation, they are making those decisions that are, that are holistic to their lives earlier and, and controlling their destiny as a result. I really respect what's going on with the younger generation in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I love those stories, Eileen. Um, we're coming down to the uh, end of the show. Uh, if someone's listening and they want to find out more information about Scent Hound or how to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, well, you could go visit our website, and it's scenthoundfranchise.com. And I want to spell that. S-C-E-N-T-H-O-U-N-D franchise.com. You could just check out some top-line information there. Uh, You can contact me directly through that website. Or what I would love for your particular listeners, Linda, is if they they can call me directly. I'm more than happy to speak with them to answer any questions about Centown Door franchising in general. And my direct line is 561-581-581. Two zero zero five. I'll do it one more time in case you were just picking up a pen. Five six one five eight one two zero zero five. Either way, I'd love to chat with anybody about any questions you have. Great. We're down to the final three questions here. And the first question is, if there's someone listening, Eileen, and they're considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest mm-hmm. that they do? to prepare themselves for the process? I think that I love that question. The first is they really should think about what it is they want in their lives. Okay. Because franchising is not for everybody. Some people are not business owner material and there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, there is nothing wrong with that. 
But really think about what owning a business is all about. So reading books, very, very important. Speaking with other individuals who might be business owners, franchise or otherwise. And I'll also say one of the things that I I highly recommend, don't do it on your own. Find yourself a great franchise consultant. Let Mm -hmm. them guide you through the path. There are tools that they have. There There are tests that will really give you revelations about who you are and what's important to you that you might not even know. And, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, franchise consultants normally don't even charge for their services, right? Right, I mean, not at those all. Are fr- those mm-hmm. are free services, right? So mm-hmm. why wouldn't you ask somebody who's done this before and has the expertise to guide you in finding the opportunities that are there? The second part is keep your mind open. There are yeah. more and more franchise opportunities in so many different industries. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, just like Sentown is a new concept in grooming. You know, there's a lot of options out there. And a franchise broker is really somebody who is going to be able to assess who you are, what your investment opportunities are, what your tolerance for investment is, how long certain concepts take to, to ramp up, they have all that information, and they'll save you hours upon hours of your own research and soul-searching to help you get to determine if this is what's for you. So I think that those would be uh, my initial thoughts to, to um, answer that question, Linda. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question is, and, and we probably answered this um, as we were talking earlier, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Um. I think, number one, it's somebody who knows how to follow a system and the processes. If you're the type of person who always has to have things 100% your way and you do not like somebody giving you best practices, the forms to use, the information that you need, and all of that, um, franchising might not be for you. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that people have a high level of being able to follow the systems and the processes in life. So methodical people, I think that they do great with that. Mm -hmm. Um, The second answer to that, okay, a trait for a franchisee, what they should have. I think um, they really should be somebody that's got an open mind and is not going in undercapitalized. Because Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that for any business, one of the biggest reasons that people fail is because they go into something undercapitalized. So they start mm-hmm. making decisions based on fear rather than, than what's the opportunity and how can I do it. And these days, you know this, Linda, there are so many opportunities to borrow money at very advantageous rates through mm-hmm. the SBA or right. very, very easy ways to be able to roll over your retirement. But mm-hmm. think about that. How how um, open are you to being able to do those things? What is your financial tolerance and abilities? And only invest in models that are going mm-hmm. to fit that without stressing you and your family out. Yes, all very good points. Very, very good points, Eileen. The last question here is, what does the future of franchising look like? You know, franchising is is definitely one of the strongest expansion models that companies have right now. Um, there, there's probably, gosh, what's the latest number? Four thousand 
different franchises in the United States Mm -hmm. alone. And it used to be a more clear delineation of who would do franchising versus somebody who would start their own business versus somebody that was going to be in corporate, all right? And I say corporate, I just mean employed by others. But the world is changing. Some of us don't have the options that we did have. Our, our belief that we'd be with our corporate job forever, kind of dwindling, right? Our belief that, you know, we don't have the financial ability to invest is changing as we, as we find more and more affordable ways of funding our franchises. The different models that are coming up are more interesting, intriguing, and inviting than they've ever been. So I'm going to tell you from my perspective even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of what's going on, um, you know, with the stock market, even with what's going on with the, the politics, I think that franchising is becoming more and more important and strong and desirable as a means of people being able to live the life that they want, that they truly want, not what they started with. And um, I think that the future for franchising is ridiculously bright. And if you mm-hmm. get in with the right franchisor, I think that that it can only be a win-win situation. So I'm shooting for astronomical growth in the franchising industry and more and more people coming on board to take advantage of those benefits. Yeah, I definitely believe that you're right on point with that, Eileen, because um, there more and more companies are realizing that they need to downsize. They need to change mm-hmm. the way they deliver their products or services, and it takes less people to do that. And those people can now do it from their home because it's been proven that way. So um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's changing the everything in the way that that even large companies look at running their business. So again, we're down at the end of the the show, Eileen. One more time, if somebody wants to get more information about Scent Hounds, how would they do that? They go to our website, which is scenthoundfranchising.com, or give me a call directly, and I'm at 561-2005. I look forward to speaking with anybody on the call that's just interested in, in talking. Just give you information and let you guys decide what's best for you. Wonderful. Eileen, it has been a true pleasure. I appreciate everything that you, all the information you've given us. And uh, I love the stories and I love your passion. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for letting me be with you today. And Linda, I totally respect you as a franchising professional and and what you do to to share this information with uh, so many people. So thank you for what you do. Absolutely. Folks, it's, it's been a really great show because I love, again, I love to share with you concepts that are a little bit different. And I think Scent Hound certainly proved to be one that is a little bit different. And maybe it taps into a passion that you have. It taps into something that gives you joy. And um, so, as always, I'm leaving you with a quote today. This one is unknown. I think I'm going to take all of the unknown quotes and claim them for myself. But uh, this particular one is anyone who doesn't know how soap tastes, they've never washed a dog. Folks, y'all have a great week, and I appreciate you joining me on All Things Franchising.
Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.